Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. It's another special edition of the Yahoo Sports Hockey Podcast. Justin Cuthbert and Julian McKenzie after the Seattle Kraken's expansion draft and the wait for trades, which didn't really end up happening. I'm going to mix it up a little bit this week. I'm going to get right to the point here, Julian. A rare instance Ooh. in which we skip the pleasantries, so I hope you're settled in, strapped in. I'm ready. Buckle. Stay. Let's do it. Did Ron Francis just straight up fumble this? Like, I, I'm definitely more inclined to believe that he, like, overplayed his hand and the offers he had for different teams were just way too high and other teams were just like, we don't have to repeat the same mistakes that happened four years ago and made other deals elsewhere yeah i'm i'm i mean here's my thinking with the way that the team looks now i know a few people are, are looking at where they are in the division and they're saying the division's pretty weak and they could still be a playoff team i'm still holding out hope that the kraken will be a bit more active in free agency and maybe add a few more players and then once we get closer to the opening day and we get a better sense of what the lineup will look like then I'll feel a little bit more comfortable saying whether or not they're a playoff team or not. But for people who are jumping all over them being a playoff team with the way it looks now, I don't know how I feel about that. This looks like an incomplete roster to me. And it, and it is. It, it actually mm-hmm. is. But, like, I don't get the people who are looking at this roster and are saying this is a playoff team, like, right now. Like, I'm, I don't think Ron Francis built a complete team yet. I don't think he built a playoff team yet. But I also think some of the picks that he made are just a little underwhelming. And I'm not trying to act as if the expansion team I put together through a simulation mock thing on Cat Friendly is any better. But Could there be. were some there were some picks I made. I was like, really? You didn't get that guy? You didn't get this mm-hmm. guy? I would have taken that guy. I think he would have been a slam dunk pick, a pick. And, and I know we'll, we'll probably go into some of the more of these guys. But, like, yeah, I, I will say I was very underwhelmed with some of the selections. Yeah, I think underwhelmed is the right word. Um, it's it's interesting because when we first started getting the leaks, and the, really the leaks was the story of the day and Frank Saravelli just going off uh, on, uh, on Twitter and basically giving us the entire team. Um, but the first two we heard, right, were Alexiak and Larson. And I'm thinking to myself, they're already one-third of the way there to one of the better defensive cores in the NHL based on what they could also get in the expansion draft. So I'm thinking, okay, they're going after, they're going to try to be an elite team this year. They're going to try and compete in the Pacific division and have a run at it. And that's, that's great. You, because really they had two choices. They could try to 
get the best team possible out of what was available. And honestly, they could have built a really good team if they did that. But the other option was to just build it from the ground up, do it very slowly and methodically, and don't get caught up in what happened with the Vegas Golden Knights. And honestly, I think they made the right call going with option B, realizing that Vegas hit the jackpot in a way that just wasn't repeatable and that the the teams that made so many mistakes when Vegas was selecting its team, they weren't going to do that again. And I think they were right to understand that. However, knowing that they wanted to go three, four, five-year plan, the way they've went about it, I don't think is right at all. They basically just picked a minor league team for the most part, with a few exceptions, Giordano and Eberle, I guess a, a few they can market players around, and Alexiak and Larson randomly now, it seems that they got those two guys, but that's fine. You want to at least keep the puck out of your net and not be a laughing stock in your first year. I get that. Good defense and goaltending, that's fine. But like you mentioned, the price being so high, that doesn't mean you should not make teams pay just a little bit, right? Yeah. Like there's so many players out there that are worthwhile around the league this is not just a chance for the seattle kraken to pick a team or to get better per se it's a chance for everyone else to make an impact right now based on all the movement that was possible and no teams took advantage of it which makes me think that ron francis didn't take advantage of the fact that he had this leverage and it seems like he wasted it we had one side deal one side deal tyler pitlick for a fourth round pick. I mean, That's Seattle has the same amount of draft picks as any team that didn't, you know, trade or whatever. Like the regular complement of draft picks plus a fourth round pick when you're trying to build. This was the chance to support your methodical build and they didn't do it. And we could go through some of the picks, but like Dylan DeMello, the price for Dylan DeMello that you could get in the open market should exceed that of what Mason Appleton's going to give you in th- year three, four, or five. Like, I just don't get some of these selections because it seemed like they just selected a bad team that's going to slowly accrue some draft picks and do it the normal way without the advantage that they had, which was the expansion draft. I mean, and and to bring up the division, uh, like I kind of did before, like, I get trying to go at it the safe and sensible way and building from the ground up and, and being sustainable for the future, but... I also think there's so much benefit to like just going for it if you have the mm-hmm. opportunity. And I don't think anyone would have minded if if Seattle went out and got those impact players that would have made them a winner now. Or if they got those made those trades, like like even the Shane Gostis Bear, who, who's in Arizona now for essentially nothing and a bunch of draft picks. Like that's a deal they could have made. And that's Instead a deal, they, right? Yeah, exactly. Instead that's they have Carson they Swarinski. Yeah, he better be William Carrier. He better be William Carrier, or they completely mess that up. Come on, uh, Mason Appleton. I'll, I'll say this: like I, I in my team, I picked Mason Appleton, and I think he'll mm-hmm. be okay as like a you know a middle six or bottom six forward. He'll be okay. There's I think he, he's one of their better picks. He's one of their yeah. better picks of their in terms of picks. like players that are going to play for them. But I, I don't know. That's, that was just one example. But go on. That's very fair. But like Morgan Geeky over. Uh, Jake Bean? I don't get that at all, personally. Or maybe mm-hmm. you might think differently, or other people might think differently. Some people are again, popping him up. Again, I think Geeky could be one of their better players, but that says something about who they selected. Yeah, I don't know. Just 
I, I don't have a problem with, with Seattle if they had opted to say, all right, we're just going to go from the get-go and be a competitive team and instill that culture of just, you know, we're trying to be a winning team off the bat. You can't be Vegas, but if you're in a division where being in the playoffs is at least possible, like, I don't think that's so bad necessarily to start. And depending on what contracts you take and depending on what you get in free agency, you can fine tune a few things. And if it doesn't, if it doesn't work, then you go the rebuild route, but like, fine, it's more sensible to build from the ground up and then wait, wait it out. But I think the crack can have an opportunity to be a playoff team from the jump. And at least that the way this roster looks, I understand you have to take some minor league guys to bolster up your AHL system, but I'm not convinced that, they're going to make that much noise. But then again, you know what? Everyone thought the Vegas team was going to suck too, and look what happened. So what do we know? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's interesting that you bring up competing now because I believe they could have competed right away, had some fun in year one, and still put themselves in position for the slow, methodical build, right? If you just take the best players or some players that are talented on contracts that last one in two years before reaching unrestricted free agency, not only can they help you right away, but then you could probably flip them. Like what's yep. going to happen with Mark Giordano? I think he's the perfect example. They trot him out here and we hear things about him being the first captain and he looks shell-shocked and like so like out of place because he probably didn't think he was leaving Calgary. He probably thought, why am I being exposed? I'm the captain of the Calgary Flames. And all of a sudden he's on a plane and going to Seattle. And then there was rumblings that he could be in New York. Like, but instead, they're going to keep him. What's the point in keeping Mark Giordano for one season? Why would he re-up? Why? I guess there might be a plan to trade him, but you trotted him out there like he's going to be one of the faces of the franchise. So yeah. that's a little bit confusing. But I do think they could have had it both ways. I think you get as much as you can, and then you try to trade so that you have the stable of prospects and futures and draft picks and all of that. Like... That's the thing about cap space. As we kept hearing over and over from Ron Francis, we are prioritizing cap space. It's the most important thing in this day and age of the NHL. Well, guess what? Cap space that is not unused, that is not used in any fashion is basically the same as a timeout that's left on a bench and the, and the final horn goes. It wasn't something that was used by you. It was a wasted opportunity. Maybe you don't need that opportunity sometimes. You don't need that option because, hell, you might have won the game 5-1 and whatever. But... If you don't use that cap space, whether it's to put players on your team or to house other players, then it doesn't really do anything for you. And I think there was enough one and two year expiring contracts where you could house a lot of money or house, house contracts or disperse different talent in different ways because you were the conduit for the teams that were involved in this. And I guess the prices were that where teams didn't want to get involved. But once Ron Francis was told no, the price should have dropped. And then you find a way to get what you can out of the expansion process, even if it wasn't what Vegas got. And you mentioned Ve there weren't going to be Vegas again. And we didn't no. think Vegas was going to be that good. There could be tons of players that, are, that they selected that turn out to be William Carlson or Thomas Nosek or William Carrier or whatever. But what they didn't get is Shea Theodore. What they didn't get is Alex Tuck. What they didn't get is the first and second round picks that they've used to get players like Mark Stone and Max Pacioretty and I guess not Alex Petrangelo, but you get the point. Like they didn't get what they need to build quickly. They basically just opened the doors and got what they got and they're going to take the long-term approach to this. Yeah, I'm like... I'm not even convinced that Ron Francis is going to be that guy who 
with the way that he's built this roster is going to be that guy that's going to be really heavy in on a big free agent that's out there this offseason. Like, like the big – like for me, it would be like, okay, maybe he throws out an offer for like Philip Deneau to be like a center mm-hmm. on this team. That might be as far as it goes, and it would be, again, the sensible thing. But, again, with the way that this roster is looking, I'm I'm just very underwhelmed. I'm just kind of like, okay, this, it's it's I, it's not this world-beater roster. It's just kind of there. But at least they're still in a better position than, like, maybe like a Minnesota or something in a few years once those uh, – oh, okay. uh, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say this year, not, not so much. I think Minnesota could win the Cup maybe this year with – the, the yeah. aggressiveness that they're showing. But yeah, they, they're not going to put themselves into a bind. But again, again, if all these players, let's say a bunch of them work out, Morgan Greek, Geeky's great, Mason Appleton's great, Hayden Fleury's great, yeah, all these players actually perform, you're going to have to pay them eventually. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, leaving $25 million on the table and unused and just sitting there for year one doesn't help you. Doing the same in year two doesn't help you. You got to eventually use up that cap space one way or another. And uh, yeah, I think all the GMs wised up except for maybe Ron Francis. But there's time. I'll say this. I'll end this. There's still time for him to make this roster, you know, better. Like there's still free agency. I don't yeah. think they're going to get anyone NHL ready in the draft. But like there's still time for Ron Francis to maneuver around and and make moves. So again, I'm going to reserve judgment on saying, okay, this team's a playoff team or is not a playoff team. But for people who are already jumping to the crack and being a playoff team now, even with the division that it is, I'd rather just hold my horses. I'd rather just mm. stay back and just be like, okay, let's let's exercise some caution. This team isn't saying anything for me yet. Anything is possible, I guess, in the Pacific division. Um, is there anything that you really liked in terms of what they did? Um, obviously, I mentioned Alexiak and Larson off the bat. Uh, they managed to get some young players that certainly Francis has some familiarity with. They got two flurry, flurries, which might be better than one. Probably not from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, and they got Chris Drieger under contract. Is there anything that really stands out to you in terms of like something really, really good that they did? I think their goaltending looks okay. I understand there's some caution being thrown to the wind with the lack of experience with the guys that they have but at least they didn't get anyone particularly expensive at that position. They also have mm-hmm. to ensure the team in front of them will be solid enough to withstand any jitters that Vitek Vanacek and Chris Drieger might have in, in being given a bit more responsibility. Uh, but I didn't hate what they did with, with their forwards. i uh, sorry, with their goaltending, I should say. Their forwards, I thought, was a little underwhelming. Their defense, still a little better. But I, I think the goaltending, to me, kind of stands out as like, Maybe not their brightest spot, but I was more impressed with that more than anything else. But again, there's still some question marks with those guys. I think they did build like a really good one through three in terms of like what was available. Like they're not overshooting it too much. Like you weren't going to get Carey Price based on the team that they selected here. Like that just made, it would make zero sense. Jonathan Quick wouldn't make sense unless you could flip him. But while they did like pick probably the best three that were like, you know, they were they were right for the moment, I guess. Appropriate yeah. is, what I guess, what I'm trying to say. Goaltending is the hardest thing, it seems, for some teams to find, right? It seems like the Edmonton Oilers are going back to Mike Smith for another two seasons. Tons of teams need goaltending. And one or two from each team were available to Seattle. 
and yet they only select three and not try to pawn other goaltenders off on different teams. Like Capo Kakinen was there, a young goalie. I was surprised he didn't take him. Why Why wouldn't you take him as an extra, a surplus of goaltenders that you could just deal out for second, third round picks? Like if you had Capo Kakinen and you wanted those three, Drieger, Vanacek, Decord, those are the three guys you want to roll with in terms of your day one depth chart. Why not take maybe Jonathan Quick or Capo Kakinen or whomever and try to deal them out even for nothing, third round picks? Why would you want to get Curtis McDermott over Quick or Carson Soucy might might play in your day one lineup, but I think they have enough defenders where they don't need that. When you could get something for Kakin in return, that's another one that I didn't understand why they only went with three goaltenders. Um, one other name, and I know it kind of only came out in the last little while, you know, because of of the fact that they're saying okay, they're 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 good with the three goaltenders that are there, and I guess Chris Drieger, the money that they're going to pay him, I guess they kind of envision him as the starter. Could you imagine if they were kind of looking at their goaltenders a bit differently, as you mentioned, saying, okay, we're in the market of trying to flip some guys and get pieces. And then a guy like Alex Nedeljkovic out in Carolina, for some reason, can't negotiate a deal with Carolina. And he's suddenly on the market. Like Ron France, that should be an easy call for Ron Francis. It's it's Carolina. It's right there. Like, boom. Hey, we got space. We got guys. What do you want? I'll take them. Nedeljkovic Drieger could have been like really special. That's in nice. terms of like something to build from the bottom up with. They could solidify things right now. I guess Nedeljkovic wanted some money. He didn't really get all that much from Detroit, though. That's that, another so one. It's so it. strange. And it seemed like they did them a favor by getting Morgan Geeky with Jake Bean right there. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna criticize that one too much because Ron Francis knows these players, drafted them, knows them very, very well. So yeah. I figure there's a reason why he went this way. But like that seemed like a layup for them. And Detroit, all of a sudden, the one team that didn't give up their pick swoops in <laughs> and makes the best deal of the week. It was ridiculous. Okay. I, I mean, we didn't make it a point to talk about Alex Nedeljkovic, but like, was he signed for like $3 million? Like, that's a very reasonable... He signed mm-hmm. for very reasonable money. Like, can Tom Dundon not pay him that? There's surely he asked for more money, or surely there's something in the contract that wasn't there... Or or something's up with Dundons. I don't I don't know, but I, it was just really strange to to see that he was somehow available for trade at the Detroit Red Wings of all people. Hey, folks! I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. People were the team that were like, hey, we'll take him. 
Yeah, I mean, my my only theory, and that's this is based off watching, you know, the handful of Carolina games that I did in the postseason, and very few in the regular season. He like this is a team that's built to win right now, right? Clearly, Carolina needs to win sooner than later. And when I'm watching that that team in the playoffs, I'm like, do we really trust Nedeljkovic with this? With all the expectations here, like in a goaltending matchup against Andre Vasilevsky in the second round, it's just like so obvious that the the advantage lies with the Tampa Bay Lightning, and it would in any series, obviously. But I feel like as much as he's really a really valuable piece to have, perfect backup, I believe, perfect 1A or 1B to a 1A. But I felt like they needed another goalie to at least push that wasn't Mrazek or Reimer. Uh, but instead of doing that, they just thought, okay, we're going to get an entirely different group here this year. So I'll just, I, I, I don't know. I'll just add this. Like maybe you say Andre Vasilevsky might not be the best example because there's literally no other goaltender in exactly. the National Hockey League who's better than Andre no. Vasilevsky. So that's going to be a mismatch for anybody. But there's a few other teams in the National Hockey League that – because of the way Carolina is constructed, and even if they have the Delkovich in net, like having him up against maybe a Florida, for example. I mean, Sergey Bobrovsky's kind of fallen on hard times with the contract that he has. Like, that's not an obvious mismatch when it comes to comparing goaltenders. Like, Carolina could win a series in theory against C- the Florida certain, with the certain. way that they're there. Like, yeah, so I get that maybe there's some, maybe you look at Nedeljkovic and look, hey, he's still a very young goaltender. But he showed enough promise that, you know, you could you can commit to him at least to start a few more games or at least be a, a good battery mate for another decent goaltender at his level on another team. And again, with Seattle, they could have taken advantage, but no. And, and Carolina could have taken advantage, right? Like Carolina yeah. probably knew at this point that Nedeljkovic was probably going to go. They went, didn't just make the decision, you know, snap in their fingers, wake up this morning. I don't want Alex Nedeljkovic here anymore. Clearly, they put some thought into this. Mm-hmm. So if you're Carolina and you see any of the goaltenders that are available here in free agent or in this expansion draft, why not knock on the door of the Kraken and make that deal where you pay probably less than you would unless you've got a guy in free agency that you are that's a free transfer, perhaps the route that that's the route that they go. But like I know Ben Bishop, I don't know if they'd be interested, but like a, a goaltender with pedigree, goaltenders with pedigree were out there. And they could have picked from the lot the the litter of them, and got their guy if they were showing the creativity. And Francis could have taken advantage of that in turn and got a little bit more with Morgan Geeky, likely. Which is it just uh, my my theory is that like all the general managers came together after this and were like, we don't like what happened last time. Let's all just chill during the expansion draft. Let's not let Ron Francis do anything. And we'll just let this pass. This too shall pass. And I think it did. I mean, I agree. But depending on on what reports you see out there, like, yes, the general managers might have just been like, okay, let's just chill. But Ron Francis might have also, like, messed up the ball for himself with some of the deals. It's like, whoa. Like, yeah. It, I mean, yes, I got to chill. But, like, you're making it easy for me to chill at these prices. Like, I don't know if Ron Francis necessarily yep. helped himself with some of the stuff that he was offering. At least maybe there's stuff going out there for the Canadians, at least. Like a, what, like a, I think they needed like a like a high draft pick and a prospect, maybe multiple draft picks to to make sure the Canadians were gonna keep Jake Allen before they ended up uh, protect but ended up doing what they did with Carey Price. Like I think it's a there's a chance that some of the offers that were out there from Ron Francis, like 
if you're a general manager, like, hell yeah, you're chilling. It's not like, okay, you know, there's some decent stuff out there. It's not so bad. And you're, and a GM's just being cautious. I think Ron Francis might've made it a little easier for those GMs not to make those mistakes. Well, that's the perfect example of it because there was a process here where, okay, the Montreal Canadiens really wanted to protect Jake Allen. They have a conversation about what that would take. The price is so exorbitant that Montreal can never will never even entertain that idea and instead goes to the length of putting Carey Price on the unprotected list and Insane. dares them to take him. A franchise legend because the prices were that sky high and they just knew, based on what the Kraken were doing, probably, that they weren't going to take Carey Price. So instead of paying that third round pick, to avoid Jake Allen and to avoid the shenanigans around Carey Price. Instead, they call their bluff and say, no, we'll just keep Jake Allen and you get nothing and you're not going to take Carey Price either because we know exactly what you're going to do at this expansion draft. I think the other GMs, the 30 GMs, win this one decidedly and I would have never picked that. That's just so funny. We were all just expecting general managers to fail and look dumb because anyone in who's a, who's a hockey fan can point to almost all of these general managers at some point and be like this move you did was stupid this move you did was stupid you did this this is stupid this is stupid we like to pile on general managers i mean maybe not to say that we at home could do a job better there's no way even if we were to play like nhl 21 or something we'd struggle with this but mm-hmm. it's very easy to pile up on a general manager so for them to see uh, for us to see that uh, they didn't come out completely looking like fools after the expansion draft, after what we saw four years ago, very different, very unexpected. The the, the the winners of the expansion draft was everyone else, it seems, aside from the Seattle Kraken. I mean, it was Vegas before because they didn't have to give up anything, which is just crazy well, that, that they, were, they were exempt from this is wild. But the fact that they can now historically look back, again, this could all blow up in our faces, mainly my face. I mean, I wrote a pretty scathing review of what Ron Francis did today. I'm just not impressed at all by what happened. And it could blow up in my face. They could be great, whatever. But Vegas doing what it did, looking back four years later, not having to give up a player. Like, I bet George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon are smoking the biggest cigar and still laughing about the fact that they they got Nolan Patrick in uh, in a deal right before this all happened. Like it's yeah. they are just so blessed that team. It's it's unbelievable. Um, you mentioned Phil Deneau. There yeah. are a couple other free agents on the market which Seattle will have a chance to get. I mean, I don't want to go through all of them. Uh, and obviously, uh, you know, but based based on the way that they pick their team I don't think they're going to be breaking the bank on too many of them Alex Ovechkin Dougie Hamilton I believe they're already out on Gabriel Landeskog seems like a one that's at least somewhat realistic because if there's anyone you're going to spend money on he could be your captain he's going to play at the top of his level for a little bit while more after this one I guess he's getting up there in age a little bit approaching at the 30s but I feel like he would be one that would at least be considered Taylor Hall we already know is going to Boston Zach Hyman, we already know, is going to Edmonton. I do think Phil Deneau is interesting. I don't think Tyson Berry would ever be an option for them. Blake Coleman, if you want to get him reunited with uh, Yanni Gord, maybe that's something. Maybe Jaden Schwartz. There's not really that much there, and not not really anyone that screams Kraken, if you can scream Kraken two days into their existence. Um, But is there anyone else that maybe 
you thought about being connected to Seattle or heard maybe connected to Seattle or would make any sense really for Seattle other than Phil Deneau or Gabriel Landeskog? Um, those two names for sure. Some of the other names uh, I would have thought would have already been picked from the expansion draft. I was a bit surprised that Vladimir Tarasenko wasn't taken. I know some mm-hmm. people were a bit concerned about the shoulder and what he's done since then. I still think if he gets to a point where he's healthy, like he's still very much uh, a a force to be reckoned with when it comes to goal, scoring goals. I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised that uh, the Kraken didn't take a chance on him, but they obviously know more than we do. Maybe there's a chance that they've seen the medical records, they've seen how he is, and they're like, you know what, that contract in him is just not worth touching, or maybe he doesn't even isn't even interested in going to Seattle as well and might just want to go elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought maybe with the Flyers, they'd look at a guy like James Van Riemsdyk as well. Uh, he was also available through the expansion draft. But in terms of free agents, I think with what's out there, like I maybe they could get Landis Gog. I, I still don't know if they're going to make that big splash or if anyone's going to really want to just take all that money and, and, and go to Seattle like that. I could see Deneau because for a guy like Deneau, who is known to be a very good defensive forward. Uh, we, we've, we've spoken about how Nathan McKinnon thinks he's like the most underrated at his position, but doesn't score goals. Like any big money you can get on the market, like you take that money and you run with it. And it mm-hmm. seems as if with the way Mark Bergman is talking about Philip Deneau, it's more than likely Deneau's going to look out and, and get that money elsewhere. And I think the Kraken can't hurt for them to have Phil Deneau as a second or third line center. So I could see it, but I feel for, for other guys like Gabriel Landeskog, they might want that money elsewhere on, on a team that's a lot closer to competing. Uh, and I'm still a bit surprised with Landeskog too. I get that he wants the money, but like, you know, you're in Colorado, you're, you're, you're close. You, this is a team fine. They lost to, to Vegas the way that they did, but they're still, close to a cup they're they're in that same at they're pretty close to where tampa is where vegas is so many other these great teams and you want to leave that just to take more money i mean look i'm not gabriel Landeskog, but like I'd, mm-hmm. I'd be very surprised if he ended up just going to seattle just because he wanted that money in term and pretty much has to go through that process of seeing that team build itself up to contender status so i i'm not sold on landis god going to seattle i could totally be wrong it could blow up in my face so i'm more likely i, I think we're more likely to see a guy like phil to go to seattle because the money's out there as opposed to a guy like like a ducky hamilton or or an alexander ovechkin who, who want to be more win now situations i would presume and seattle i don't necessarily think is is presenting that I, I I agree with you. I think Dino makes the most sense just because I think he's got some runway here. He can build with this team. He can also help them right now and they can overpay even though it seems they don't want to overpay for anyone right now. Um, but if I, I think it's going to work against Seattle a little bit. Obviously, they're the one team that has money. We talk about how the, the flat cap is affecting everybody, but there is $82 million to be had now extra in the system with Seattle there to actually provide that. I don't know how far they'll, they'll go. They have to re- reach a minimum, obviously, but I don't think they'll be spending $82 million, but they're going to have to spend 60 ish at least. Um, so there will be money there, but I feel like those elite free agents that can pick their spot a little bit, why would they want to go there? And it, it kind of makes Larson and Alexiak a little bit more confusing because those prime years, the next four and five with their contracts respectively, like they're probably not going to be that competitive in those five years 
which again it, it is such a weird day because you see those first and you're like wow they're going for it this is gonna be so fun and then they leak out and everything's like just like the air being let out of the balloon a little bit more yeah. every time it was uh it was a bit of a strange day um It'll be interesting to see what they do in free agency, obviously, though, because they're the one team that has money. So uh, someone's got to go there, you would think. Uh, you mentioned your mock draft. We won't go through our teams because it really doesn't matter anymore. Um, <laughs> but is there, are, were there any picks that you had that you were you know, proud of a little bit that you maybe got right? Or is there something that you got way, way wrong? Um, off the top of my head, and I'm literally trying to pull it up now, I think I got about eight of mm -hmm. my picks right. Uh, so Mark Giordano, I got right. Uh, Kale Fleury, I got right. Uh, Vitek Vanacek and Chris Drieger, I got right. So Vanacek is a good one. Vanacek's okay. Vanacek. Mason Appleton, I got right. Carly, Callie Yarncroc, I got right. Yanni Gord, Jordan Eberle. Um, I, I, you know, I'm particularly happy about those guys, I guess. I, I think it might have been telegraphed a little bit in some of those cases. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I don't know. I I, I think for some of the other guys, I, I guess the thinking is just, like, I forgot the name of the guy they took in like, Columbus, who, like, no one, no one even. Never, like, never heard of him in my life. Never heard of him in my life. You know what I'm saying? Like, there was just so too many guys who I was just like, I have no clue. Who this guy is and everyone who wants to go off and be like oh your your mock expansion team uh is not what it's going to be at all or whatever or oh i would have taken this guy you don't know as much as i do or i'm willing to bet that like you don't know your level of not knowing is almost at the same level as mine like there's one thing this expansion draft has showed us and they showed us in 2017 too like nobody gets it right like there's nobody no, it's impossible it's impossible to get it right. Everyone was wrong from the from when they announced Jamie Alexiak and Adam Larson. You know, everyone was right from everyone was wrong from there. Uh, in terms of, but like, yeah, I I think the fact that I got eight right, I'm not particularly too happy about that. I would have liked to have gotten like maybe ten or twelve. I mean, Mason Appleton, I guess I'm happy I got right. That's a good one. Like, that's a good one. I mean, I mean, that's okay. Jordan I got 11, so I, w I got 11 right, so I was you in between 11. that 10 and 12. But it doesn't seem like, again, they're mostly telegraphed. Like, I got McCann, Yarncroke, Gord, uh, Blackwell, Bastion, Lind, Giordano, Susie. Carson Susie is probably my best one. A little bit off the board, <laughs> and they actually went there. I had Vince Dunn, I had Hayden Flurry, Drieger. Everyone got Drieger. Uh, yeah, there's not really anything to write home about because like, if you feel strongly about a certain way, like everyone looks at this different, obviously there's a bit of an echo chamber with what we hear on Twitter, what we see. And we all, some of us come to like a unanimous approval. Well, yeah, that makes the most sense. Colin Blackwell makes the most sense. We kind of like, I think we bounce those ideas off each other, whether it's subliminally or whatever the right word would be, but that just happens, right? Like Nathan Bastion, I just picked that up from other people. Let's be honest. But yeah. You know, they clearly, in the, the, the scouting that they've done, the analytics they've done, everything that they've put into it, they look at, and the way they want to build their team is completely different. Like, I think when we built our teams, we were thinking about, okay, this is maybe the best mix of future and present. And clearly, they're going to the future. And that is what it is, obviously. And we're going to see what, what happens. But yeah, I'm not really eager to do my next expansion mock draft, although it will be fun if the NHL does eventually get another team. By the way, uh, 
picking Chris Drieger in your expansion draft, especially the if middle. you did... It's it, that's piece. literally what I was going to say. It's the equivalent of a free space in bingo. That's literally yeah. what it was. Yeah. Hey, we, all need, we, all need we, we all need one. We all need one, right? We all exactly. need one. Yeah. Uh, and we all have our first show, and ESPN had its first show, I guess, for the expansion draft. I did notice there was no branding. There was no ESPN Presents. There was re- It was, really wasn't an ESPN production by any means, other than the fact that Chris Fowler was hosting it. And I think that was probably on purpose because this was no masterpiece. Let's just say that. Um, It was very NHL. It was a little embarrassing, to be honest. I mean, there were some elements that were cool. The scenery was cool. It was cool that they had fans out there. Uh, Kevin Weeks was like Sonic the Hedgehog going to every local place you could think of in Seattle to announce picks. The Marshawn Lynch moments were cool. The Sean Kemp mispronunciation was fun as well. But this was not, and I, again, I think it was purposeful and deliberate that we didn't see much ESPN, but this is not the way you'd probably want to start a partnership. And also, if you're the Seattle Kraken, I mean, this wasn't as good as Vegas in terms of their show, no. but like Jerry Bruckheimer, like one of the best film producers in the world, one of the richest men in terms of that industry you know, this brilliant mind in, in terms of like entertaining the masses. All of this was really uninspired. It was really strange. It fell flat in a lot of ways. It was kind of funny in other ways, but like, I hope this isn't a sign of like what's to come with ESPN. It's not, it can't be right. It can't be. No, I don't think so. But I also think that one big reason why the mood was a bit dour when it came to the presentation was because we all knew what was going to happen. I think we look at it a lot differently if there was still some intrigue. Maybe like two or three of the picks get revealed, but like we still... Or a trade right after? Yeah, that's what I was waiting on. That would be cool. Like like if if we're going to know who the picks are beforehand, but like a big trade gets announced during the event, like, okay, fine. We knew we were going into it, but like, whoa, we didn't see this trade coming. That changes everything. Even if it was like one, like, medium-sized trade that you're just like, whoa, 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 what the hell's going on? It would have been worth it to have mm-hmm. tuned it. But the truth is, is that because we knew all the picks coming in, we are, I think most of us already had like a sour disposition about it from the jump. And then you see all of the funky stuff with the fish and the mispronunciations <laughs> and stuff. And that just kind of adds to, to the downrating of this thing. Mm. I, I don't blame ESPN for just being like, okay, we're going to not brand this too much because uh, yeah. this is not going to look. I'll say this much, and, and, and I don't know if we're going to save it for, for later here, but Frank Saravalli doing the work that he did, if I'm ESPN, if I'm an exec at ESPN, one, I'm pissed as hell. Two, I'm calling him up. And I'm like, no, dude, you're the new wash for us. Because you, yeah, no, no, I'm sorry. Like, I thought Frank Saravalli would have been a, dunk, a slam dunk for him to join ESPN. When he left TSN, I'm like, okay, he's joining ESPN. And then he joined his daily face-off, which, great publication. I understand the ownership group. They, they got some money to burn. Not burn, but they got money. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're nothing to play Clearly. with. Clearly. Clearly. Maybe they're able to get Frank Saravalli. But, like, if I'm ESPN... And I see what Frank Saravalli's doing, and I'm seeing all the engagement with those tweets. Like, call him up, 
see if he can yeah. do something similar like what Pierre what Pierre uh, LeBron has with the athletic and TSN like okay do your writing with the daily face off but do your TV stuff with us like I don't I think if I'm ESPN I, I do that because Frank Saravalli I mean and yeah I'll give props to my guy in in Pierre LeBron for also adding confirmations and actually extra information as well Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve Dangle was all over John Quenville. Oh yeah, he was. <laughs> hey, good, good on you. Where uh, were you on that, so- Frank? Where were you on that? <laughs> and, and and shout out to Dennis uh, Cholowski. I don't know how to say his last name. I'm sorry. Uh, don't put me on the same pedestal as as Sean Kemp for not knowing how to say his last name. <laughs> but the reports going around that he was hard to reach. I'm still convinced that my guy was thinking like. Well, if they can't reach me, they can't pick me. No one is ever going to convince me otherwise. But all that to say, the fact that we had all this stuff going on in the middle of the day, hours before the actual show, took away any sort of intrigue and a bit of interest in watching this. And hopefully, I mean, it's the NHL, I guess. But in an ideal world, the NHL learns from this. And if they do this again, they either have the time where a team is supposed to submit its picks uh, be moved up or they give like what they could do is they could always have them have the same time. But then for everyone else, it's at like five or six and then the draft is after. So that way, mm-hmm. like teams and players can know what's going on. But th- whatever they have to do, they have to move up the time between the, the time the picks are announced and the actual draft or actual make it like an actual kind of like draft thing where you have Ron Francis sitting at the table as if he was going through an NHL entry draft, you give him the two minutes and he makes the picks like right then and there or something like, I don't know, do something interesting. Don't have it be a situation where we have to wait eight hours and in the world of the internet where you can find something on Twitter, you can have it spoiled for you do that. Like, I'm sorry, this isn't like, the bachelor or something like that in sports and stuff like you want to know stuff. Now you want to experience it live. Like I I would think that if the NHL has to do this again, maybe they put an expansion team in like Quebec city or something. They learn from this mistake. So Giannis just had his like prove it NBA run NBA playoffs run. Yeah. This was Frank. This was Frank Saravelli's prove it, you know, expansion draft, right? Like I don't, you mentioned it daily face off. I'm not going to disparage anyone. But when he, or any company, but when he left TSN, it seemed like, okay, Sportsnet, ESPN, or TNT's got this guy on wraps. This is one of the four or five preeminent newsbreakers in the game. That's where he belongs with one of these new U.S. companies. He's a U.S. guy himself, American guy himself. That's mm-hmm. where he belongs. And I think there was a little chip on his shoulder yesterday with the expansion draft. And he went out there and did what Wodge does to everyone else in NBA circles. That was a prolific performance from Sarah Valley. I'm happy for him. That was pretty cool. So, uh, you know, he's, it, the it kind of, he's the watch. He's the new watch. I feel like he just like inherited Bob McKenzie's power before they both left TSN. And this is what we got now. The silver hair. I have millennium. the power <laughs> or the contacts either way. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, I mean, I, I enjoyed him in the moment doing that. It made the work day a little bit easier. I'll be honest. But it oh, took a too. lot of st- it took a lot of steam out of the expansion draft uh, production. It was not good by any means. There were some moments, uh, but you're right. When we just knew that you know Dennis Chalovsky or whatever, however you sell- say his name, was the name behind the octopus. I mean, there was just no 
real intrigue. And I think they understood that. I will say Chris Fowler making fun of all the teams was pretty funny itself. Um, <laughs> you see all those Leaf fans be like, he, oh, he, no. cru- he crushed the Leafs. It was hilarious. Yeah, oh, he crushed man. the Leafs. Oh, and he knew Omar. he was getting a little bit of reaction. So he went he went hard on every team after that, too. It was, it was good. Oh, man. Omar, like, messaged me after that. It's like, hey, Julie, you're telling me to get over it. This is why I can't get over it. And just... <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> you, well, you're you're like the Chris Fowler of zone time. You're just out there, you know, getting in uh, Omar's face. So Never you know. be fans of teams. Never be a fan of teams. It's a lot easier for us in our professions, but never be fans of teams because you set yourself up for disappointment. And I say that as someone who is fans of teams and other sports anyway. But don't be a fan of an NHL team. You're just opening yourself to get dumped on. And if you're not, you could be like Fowler and you could just sit there and take shots at anyone and get all the laughs in the world. So it's uh, so much more fun that way. So much more fun. Um, okay. So I think that's the expansion draft. Is there anything else that's sort of top of mind for you uh, before we move on to, you know, we've already kind of covered a lot of our next topics. So if we do have anything extra to say on what we saw with Seattle, I mean, floor's yours. Nothing really. I think we already kind of roasted the ESPN and, and the NHL enough, I guess. Macklemore being there. Okay. Ma- I mean, Mac- Macklemore, like, Macklemore kind of sucks, but like, he's <laughs> he's undeniably cool, right? Like, when you yeah. just see that guy, like, man, that guy's cool. It's, well, I, is like, he? I, I, I want to not like him, but he's cool. He was cool. I mean, there was like, uh... he, there were so many presenters, and he was like, he actually knew how to present. I mean, maybe that's just the difference. It was like the juxtaposition versus like, you know, Jamie Alexiak who came out and was just smiling. <laughs> oh, the best part of the expansion draft is when they said, you're the heaviest guy in the NHL. And he's just like <laughs> so proud of it. <laughs> and then Don Moore's like, Don Moore's like, that's, or someone said that's mostly muscle. And he's like, yeah, we'll go with that. We'll go, we'll with, go that. with that. <laughs> you're, you're the heaviest guy in the National Hockey League. Oh, yeah, that's, that, that's a such a compliment to take. Yeah. You're the heaviest man. Like, thanks so much. You know, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm just hate on Macklemore, bro. Uh, he should I mean, there's reason to hate on Macklemore. There's reason to hate on Macklemore. He could be like a wedding, you know, MC in his next life. Maybe he's better <laughs> off being a wedding MC than a rapper. Oh, okay. Let me move away it's, from it's, it's funny because it's true, I think. It's funny because it's true. Let me move away from it before I start laughing. Oh, no. I'm, I'm already laughing. Okay. Um, hockey. Yes. Hockey. <laughs> hockey. Uh, you know, I don't think we have really much to say other than that with the expansion <laughs> draft. We might look like idiots, but we are not impressed Ron Francis. Okay. So we've already talked about Nedeljkovic to Detroit. Yeah. We don't really have, I don't think, much else to say. I mean, Jonathan Bernier coming back the other way. He had a pretty good season. Yeah, he did. Could have been someone that, you know, was at least coveted uh, around league circles. And I guess was because he's probably going to be the backup behind someone who's maybe better prepared to carry the load for Carolina in what's a pretty important season. So we'll see what Carolina does. I think Stevie Eiserman is probably pretty proud of his selection, getting a Calder-nominated goaltender for basically the price of nothing. Um, at least more than Ron Francis got with all 30 of his selections. Did you um, see, like, there was a good quote going around where someone was trying to ask, like, how do you feel about the fact that 
you were able to make this trade that a lot of people in the hockey world are kind of like, whoa, whoa, like, like, what are you doing? Like, Carolina, what are you doing? And like, mm-hmm. Steve Eisenman was kind of like, well, I guess you kind of have to talk to Carolina about how, why they were comfortable making that move. And yeah. maybe I'm reading a bit too much into it, but like, you could interpret it as like some sort of shade a little yeah. bit. Like, why would you make a move like that? I don't know why they were, but Detroit was just like, fine. We're, we have a decision we could make. And that rebuild for Steve Eisenman and the Red Wings, again, just marching upward for that team. They get Nedeljkovic just straight like that. Like, what a move. I mean, forget McLemore. Steve Eisenman's cool. Like, he's undeniably cool. And he's undeniably confident. i Steve Eisenman than McLemore. <laughs> yeah, I'm I would sure too. Ma- I'm, I, I don't have too. to worry about Steve Eisenman turning into a winning singer later <laughs> in his career. <laughs> MC, maybe, MC. And maybe not McLemore, but still, bro, like... No, but what like Steve Eiserman, like Steve Steve Eiserman's got that like undeniable confidence about him. So when yeah. he says that, it's like shade. It like can come across as shade. I think that's it. And he has reason to be compliment or confident. He built the Tampa Bay Lightning, aside from that third line, into what they are. And you know he hasn't done much with Detroit yet, but they're steady bringing in solid assets. And clearly, Nedeljkovic is one of them. Now we do have news from Boston. It seems like Taylor Hall is going to sign four years at what would be $24 million, which would be $6 million a season. Mm-hmm. That may be a little bit more than people thought he was going to get from Boston. Maybe slightly. I thought, you know, there was like reports of like, oh, he wants to be there, so they're going to get him for a bargain bin price. That's like a decent amount for a second line winger, which he really is at this point in his career, clearly. Uh, so that's an interesting deal. I don't really have any hot takes there. I think it's probably fair. I think that's probably the best place for him. So, you know what? I think that's a fine deal from Boston's perspective. Yeah, I, I don't have an issue with it. I, I think it's cool to see that Taylor Hall has nestled into this role in his career where he's no longer looked at as the primary scorer on a team and he could instead ride shotgun with very capable players in Brad Marshaw and, and David Pasternak and Patrice Bergeron. I think it's an ideal situation for him. I don't know what, what boss is going to do with the rest of their free agent situation, but it, it's, it's clear to me that this is a franchise that still has this winning window open. The thing is, is that like earlier I mentioned Tampa Bay, Colorado, Vegas, uh, as teams where you're looking at to go far and do damage in the playoffs. I don't know if Boston is on the level. I don't think Boston's on the level of those three teams. I'd even put Carolina above Boston in terms of mm-hmm. teams with the most, most likely to win the Stanley Cup. But Boston is still like right there. And as the Canadians of Montreal Canadiens show in the playoffs, like you just have to get into the playoffs. You just need to get to the dance and you could just go from there. Like Boston is, is a team that, you know, if they somehow make a run again next year, I mean, go to the third round, like, that would be a complete surprise. So Taylor Hall put himself in a decent position with where he's at. It'll be interesting to see what they do in uh, free agents here and, and I guess around the draft floor because changes in net, Tuka Rask likely gone, Yaroslav Halak likely gone. Yeah. Uh, the, the defense continues to look a little bit different with Krug and the Char going and now they're losing Lozon and maybe some more uh, Kevin Miller retiring. So a lot of changes are happening and David Krejci is also a free agent. So they've actually got a lot of money to work with. So it'll be interesting to see what they do because they are still, as long as they've got that perfection line, a uh, Stanley Cup contender, you would probably think. Okay, last topic is more news on Shea Weber and more definitive news, it seemed like, from the Shea Weber side with Mark Bergevin kind of hinting at the fact that he probably won't play 
ever again um, based on his injuries, the accumulation of injuries and what he dealt with on the path to the Stanley Cup final. And of course, in the five game series loss to the or six game series loss, five game series loss to the Tampa Bay Lightning. So what's your take on that? And how is Montreal dealing with the fact that the captain might not be there ever again? The more we hear about Shea Weber and the injuries that he's he suffered and what he's had to deal with, the more I go back to game five and the loss where all those players lined up and hugged Shea Weber. They took the time to go to him. Like those players knew, as far as I can as far as I'm concerned, that that was their shot to win it with Shea Weber, and that was it. And they gave it they gave it as best as they could. The Canadians only won the one game but that was as good as it got with, with Shea Weber. And I mean, just going based off of what we've heard with, with him through Mark Bergevin, like I'd be very surprised if he plays another game again. And the next step now is just seeing when the Canadians put him on long-term injured reserve, I guess. Cause mm. I don't know. He, he was a guy who, who who did good things for this organization. A lot of people were making, you know, light of, of the trade with him and PK Subban. But he proved himself to be a dependable defenseman when he was healthy. Uh, there was a lot of wear and tear and mileage on him, but he proved his worth in the postseason. It almost makes what he did in the playoffs this year, which I thought he had a pretty decent run. Uh, it all it makes it even more impressive considering what he's been battling through uh, over the last little while. So I'd be surprised if he ends up playing. Um, but I also think now, like, LTIR is probably where he's going to end up next. And I also think a part of that identity is going to go with him too. Like this Canadians team leaned into the fact that they tried to be hard nosed defensively. They tried to be physical when they could. And Shea Weber was a big reason why. And if Shea Weber, if that edges out, like, you know, it's a, it's a huge change in, in identity. They look a little easier to, 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 to challenge in front of the net. That was what, that was the big sell on, on Shea Weber. Remember when he was acquired mm-hmm. by the Canadians, like forwards try to go to the net on Shea Weber Fine, you might get there, but you were going to get hurt after. And now you have that gone. That piece of the identity is is gone. And even Mark Bergevin acknowledged himself, like, they're going to try, but, like, you can't just replace Shea Weber. So maybe the Canadians go out and they try to get someone in his ilk. I'm more inclined to believe that as opposed to them doing, like, wholesale changes with the defense to try to make it more mobile or do anything else different, considering they still have uh, Joel Edmondson and Ben Chirot. But... Yeah, good luck trying to replace Shea Weber. That's that's going to be a very tall task for this Canadiens team. Yeah, Montreal really losing sort of pieces of themselves, right? They're uh, they're going to lose Shea Weber here. It looks like they might lose Phil Deneau. We have no idea if Jonathan Drouin's going to be back. I would probably lean toward him not being back. You can oh, correct me. They, if, if they you... did say, they, they said that they expect him to be back for training camp. Okay. That actually, funny enough, that was the other piece of news that uh, maybe not necessarily on the same level as a Shea Weber, but the fact mm-hmm. that the Canadians seem still confident that he's that's still very big news. Like, and the fact that they seem confident that he's gonna be back for training camp, like what Jonathan Jewelry are they gonna get? Like, and also yeah. why was he gone? I, I also I get he, he left for personal reasons, and I think the media in Montreal, I guess I mean myself included, I haven't really had the chance to ask about that, but I find a lot of people have been respectful of that and not tried to like pry around and some, get others some like so my guess, I, I haven't seen, admittedly, I haven't seen any rumors. I, I've tried to like ask a few people and mm-hmm. I've heard maybe one or two things, but like there's 
there's no basis to like report anything. Right. right. But like, I'm surprised that like nobody went out of their way to like follow him somewhere or talk to some old coach or try to get some information that would give some clarity. And they put that out there, right? Like I'm, I'm still very surprised that no, no one has got, has put their chest out and said, Jonathan Drouin has X, Y, Z, and that's why he can't play. But I do hope that when he does eventually talk to us here in Montreal, that he does go in on why he was gone as long as he was, because I, I, I think it would be, I, I'd like to know just for myself, I guess, but I also understand that it's a very personal thing. Yeah, I mean, I I hope above anything that he can get back to playing good hockey for the Montreal Canadiens. I hope he's, he's okay. Through, he's going through some, yeah, he's going through some things that, uh, you know, clearly impacted his life. And if he can get back on the ice for Montreal and, and get back some of the game that he had before, perhaps he came to Montreal. Um, that would be that would be a wonderful thing. But uh, it's an opportunity, right? As much as it's a loss with Shea Weber, it's a loss potentially with Phil Deneau. It's a loss potentially with Jonathan Drew, and it does open up some opportunity for Mark Bergevin, who protected a pretty decent team. The players that he had on his protected list were all pretty coveted assets and good players in their own right. And of course, Montreal is coming off an appearance in the Stanley Cup final. So there's something to build on there. It just, it seems, will not include Shea Weber in the immediate or potentially the long term. Um, I already had my tire pump. I was going to Frank Saravelli for his legendary performance on twitter in the lead up to the expansion draft so this is uh again the floor being yours with a solo tire pump well i was gonna give it to uh luke prokop uh the uh, Nashville predators uh draft pick who uh came out earlier this week uh did some media availabilities with the athletic and, and tsn and a whole bunch of other publications and mm-hmm. My thing about what he did, I, I noticed a few people have, have gone online and said, oh, why should this matter? You know, why are we still at a point where stuff like this matters where a player announces their sexual orientation? The thing is, is because of the prejudice that still comes out there for uh, for gay people, not just in sports, but just gay people, period. Like it's important for representation. It's important that people do this sort of thing. There's some kid somewhere, I'm sure, who saw what Luke did and took inspiration and probably felt, hey, you know what? If if this guy who plays hockey, and we all know how hockey can get sometimes with some of the stuff that's been said, Luke even acknowledged himself that he was a part of that problem. But mm-hmm. if a player like Luke in the climate that we're in, in the society that we're in, could step up and say, hey, I'm gay, and, and let everyone know that, I'm sure there's someone out there who took inspiration from that for themselves and might – take some strength and and feel comfortable for themselves. Like we're still at a point where that sort of thing is still necessary because it'll inspire people and it'll help people uh, who are still trying to find ways to seek and live out their own truths. So I give him full marks for being able to do this and it's still an important thing to do uh, in our society. Yeah, I mean, that's a very deserved tire pump. I think Kyle Dubas said it best with his media availability today. He just said it was an excellent way to start the week, and it really was an excellent way to start the week. I mean, this is an inspiring moment for many who are looking for that uh, role model to follow and to help them feel more comfortable. And I love how sort of normal, there was big news, obviously, but how comfortable he was talking about it, how comfortable Carl Nassib of the Vegas... Uh, Raiders was when he talked about it a couple months ago. I mean, the fact that these guys are feeling much more comfortable and much more accepted 
by their sports, their locker rooms, their their peers. Uh, I, I think that's progress, right? Like we, we yeah. often talk about how we're not making progress in the world. In some ways we're not. But like, I remember when I was in high school, there were no gay people at my high school because no one wanted to come forward and talk about that, to admit that, to be as proud as Luke is to talk about that. And the fact that, you know, I'm not, I'm not the youngest guy, but this wasn't that long ago, right? So I think we have made some serious strides and Luke Prokop is helping us continue to make those strides with what he did this week. Yeah, very well said. So that's why I had to give him that tire pump. I think he was well deserving of that. And I wish him nothing but the best as he embarks on, on his career. I think he's still in junior, but uh, yeah, well-deserved tire pump for, for Luke Prokop. Yep. He got a three-year contract entry level, obviously with Nashville. I don't know exactly when he signed it, but now it's time for him to go out and uh, start his hockey journey, make that team and make, make it so that we have an, you know, an active gay player in the NHL that more kids will get exposure to, uh, and he can have more of an influence that he, uh, that he has now and will continue to have. So, uh, a worthy tire pump and Frank, maybe not quite as important, but, uh, I guess a worthy tire pump to him as well. Uh, second last show for us. We're going to be back next week to talk about free agency and the draft, but this was the one I think that was circled on our calendars just because it's sort of that not once in a lifetime, but twice in a lifetime, uh, experience here with at least two expansion teams that have come at the salary cap era. Again, there could be more but this was uh always going to be a fun one so i looked uh i was looking forward to it and i think it lived up to the building the billing rather even though we got a little bit distracted with uh maybe my slight affinity for macklemore in you know public settings but what is it public speaking settings there we go (laughs) you said he was gonna be a wedding singer bro (laughs) i mean that's 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 a wedding MC, and that's that's uh, that's an indictment on his craft, but more of a uh, more of an observation on what on what to wedding MC. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people would say he deserves that downgrade, doesn't he? Doesn't he? Oof. If 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 you get bombarded by back, he never deserved fans, that Grammy. He never deserved the Grammy. If you get bombarded, I'll say this. If you get bombarded by Macklemore stands in your mentions because of this podcast episode, I'll be right there with you, defending you with the trenches. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I thought you were gonna leave me to be. Duh, leave me duh, be. Duh, 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 duh. Yeah, you got Boys, me. I got you. You got me. I got right. you. I got you. No worries, man. No worries. <laughs> All right, man. We'll wrap it there and we'll go on Twitter and defend uh the anti Macklemores like you and I and a lot of other people in the world. We'll call it there. Uh, Thanks, man. (laughs) Peace. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.